As superhero movies are becoming mainstream entertainment at theaters around the world, comic fans also have plenty of heroic action on the small screen to keep them sated while waiting for the next blockbuster. We are in a golden age of superhero television shows, with plenty of offerings from both the Marvel and DC universes, and the trend shows no sign of slowing down. To chronicle these recent shows and even examine some of the classics, we are proud to present Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV. In every podcast, we'll be doing recaps of individual episodes of one Marvel show and one DC show until we catch up to them or some supervillains shut us all down. My name is Scott McGregor, and I'm the fastest podcaster alive. That's what she said. And I'm Chris Tyler, one of your agents of cool. To bring you this podcast, we each have to become someone else. We each have to become something else. Two, two, three. It was the time of the preacher. When the story began Of the choice of a lady And the love of a man How he loved her so dearly He went out of his mind when she left him for someone, she left me It's called Genesis. Genesis? What is that? It began with heaven and hell. Two armies fighting, two sides hating for as long as we can remember. The endless war. One day, soldier from one side and one from the other became drawn to each other. An angel and a demon fell in love. Traitors. Strictly forbidden. I didn't care. Snuck off. Made a secret. Disgusting. Traitors. And then after a time, Genesis. A thing never meant to be. Came to be. So you're saying this Genesis is some sort of angel demon baby? If by baby you mean the most powerful entity ever known, the singular force that could shift the balance of power, threaten all of creation, then yeah, it's a baby. Welcome to Weekly Heroics, the Two True Freaks podcast covering all things uh, comic booky in the world of TV. My name is Chris Tyler, a.k.a. The Hair Metal Hero, and I am joined as always by Scott, Scott McGregor, 2.0. A.k.a. whatever will get me out of whatever trouble I'm in at that time. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're uh, going to keep barreling on with our coverage of AMC's Preacher, and uh, we are on episode six of season one. The episode is called Sundowner, in regards to the name of the hotel where Fior and DeBlanc, the two rogue angels from heaven, have been hiding out while looking for the power that has escaped. And that is where we pick up right at the beginning of this episode. We continue exactly in the diner where we left off last L- episode. A little coffee talk going on. Yeah. Coffee talk. Talk amongst yourselves. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Jesse is uh, speaking to the two angels who let him and us, the audience, in on what the hell exactly is going on. And they uh, explain to Jesse that the power that is inside of him is not God. It is the bastard love child of an angel and a demon 
two soldiers in the ongoing war between heaven and hell. This is a giant embarrassment for both sides, and for that reason, it has been kept contained and not allowed out. We also find out that Fior and DeBlanc are the caretakers of this entity called Genesis, and that uh, they don't want Jesse running around using this power. Unfortunately, that discussion is pretty much cut short when Fior and DeBlanc see a blonde woman coming out of the back of the diner. They whisper to each other, they go outside, and they proceed to beat the shit out of her and kill her. <laughs> Jesse runs out and uh, sees that uh, this really isn't just a regular woman. This is some force that is coming for the three of them. So after they kill the... A force that's like four foot nine and, you know, feisty yeah. little girl. Yeah, yeah, she's... Yeah, there's something off. <laughs> um, as soon as she dies, another one of her reappears and walks out of the diner. And uh, a little more uh, happens here. And uh, we find uh, Jesse with the two angels getting in Jesse's truck and heading to the sundowner. While in the Sundowner Hotel, uh, they tell Jesse exactly what's going on with this thing, and that it is one of the Seraphim, the warrior cast of angels, and that's there to uh, put things right, essentially, and keep order. That's what the Seraphim do. And uh, you, we also find out that any angel that is killed instantly reinvigorates, usually close to the area where the previous physical form died. So this leads to a fantastic oh my God, yes. scene of Jesse, Fior, and DeBlanc continuing to kill. I'm just trying to this, contain myself until you're done because I like yeah <laughs> this blonde seraphim in the ho the seraphim in the form of whoever this woman is, and the angels are trying to get Jesse to contain it because if they kill it, it just keeps coming back. So we are left with a rather. Sam Raimi-esque sort I, I of called Monty it Sam Python. Yeah, Sam Raimi meets Monty Python, I think, is, yeah, is pretty uh, hot scene there. of insanity with the three of them, and then eventually uh, Cassidy as well, trying to subdue this little blonde angel. Yeah. You boys for a party and didn't invite me? Uh, yeah. There's a, a fantastic tracking shot after a, a hole is put through one of the walls where the camera pulls through the hole and you just see glimpses of what's going on in the room oh, where the four of them are all beating each other up. And, and every you just time see an angel blood dies, spattering they, and yeah. the light flash and another body falling. And oh my God, yeah. So, um, at the end of all this insanity, uh, Jesse says to Fiora and to Blank that he is not going to give up this power, and um, he commands them with the Genesis power to keep away from him. Jesse and Cassidy head back towards the uh, the church. As the two of them are driving away, um, the taller angel—I can't remember who it is—if that's Fiora or to Blank. Um, 
Bjork mentions the, the, the not. Yeah. He mentions that there is another option in terms of getting the power back. What that exactly is, we don't know. Hmm. My guess is that would be them deciding to call on the Saint of Killers. Some dude with a cowboy hat, yeah. Yeah. The episode slows down a little bit at this point. Yeah, that all happened before the credits. That was yeah, like... that's pre-credit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, at this point, um, Cassidy is fully in the loop with what's going on, with as much as, as Jesse knows as well. And uh, the two of them sit back and have a beer at 10 in the morning while they're washing their blood-soaked clothes in the church uh, washer and dryer there. Um, and they have a little little heart-to-heart about what they should do, about you know what the power is that Jesse has inside of him. And Jesse's like, no, I, I was given this for a reason. So they're not taking it. I'm keeping this power, and that's that. We also um, cut to uh, a little bit with Tulip, oh, I, sorry, I forgot to mention. While the two of them are half naked waiting for their clothes to wash, mm-hmm. uh, they're looking at each other's tattoos, and uh, Jesse has a big one on his back, and uh, Cassidy asks him where he got that tattoo, and Jesse says, a mean old lady gave it to me. Yeah. I think we know where that's going. Yeah. As fans of the comic, I won't spoil anything. And uh, then he also sees a tattoo of a tulip on Jesse's shoulder. And uh, he says, what's that one? And Jesse says, that's my tulip. Uh, This will come into play later in the episode. Uh, So speaking of tulip, uh, she heads to, uh, what's her name? Uh, Molly? Emily. Emily. Emily, the little assistant for the church there. She goes busting right in and says, stay away from Jesse and breaks one of the things that uh, Emily's kids have made for her. And this actually leads to a rather nice scene of the two of them kind of having a heart to heart. And uh, Tulip agreeing to help out with some of the chores that Emily's doing for the church. She goes and picks up the church wine and gets uh, some stuff for, the, you know, supplies and all that kind of stuff. So the two of them kind of have a little heart-to-heart. Um, but at first, Emily is kind of terrified. Uh, Tulip also says that at one time she had a child. Whether or not that's true, I don't know. Yeah. Tulip is a consistent liar, so... Yeah. Um, you never know. That could be a wrinkle that they are throwing into the show. Uh, let's see here. Um, so the rest of the episode really does kind of center on um, a little bit of tension between Tulip Cassidy uh, and uh, then Jesse finally deciding what he's going to do. Uh, Tulip ends up showing up with the supplies for the church and uh, this is after Jesse has had a talk with uh, mayor person god what a weird name uh you know he was the one who was uh, not directly involved but involved with the slaughter of the green acre people at odin queen cannon's office uh and he's telling jesse he doesn't know what to do he feels like his own brain is telling him one thing but god's telling him something else uh jesse lets him know that if he can't tell the difference then uh he's not really hearing god at all yeah. which is kind of an interesting point uh, that's when Tulip shows up. She brings in the stuff, tells Jesse that she's been helping Emily. Um, and this is where Cassidy and Tulip bump into each other in the supply closet of the church. And Cassidy thinks that she's just back to get some more of that sweet, sweet Cassidy love. That sweet vampire dick, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this is the point where we find out that Cassie real- Cassidy realizes that this tulip is the tulip that's on Jesse's shoulder. Yeah. 
And uh, yeah, so you can see, kind of see that this might be a problem down the line. Uh, so Cassidy hides behind the storeroom door while Tulip gets Jesse out of there without having, you know, too much of a, of a fight. We also see uh, Cassidy and Jesse setting up a giant bullhorn on the front of the church. Can't imagine what that's going to be for. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, what are the other high points here? Okay, so um, so since uh, let's cut cut over to R's face a little bit because we do follow up with him at this point as well. R's face, things seem to be going good for him. Some kids are talking to him again. They invite him to go watch fireworks with them in a in an abandoned uh, looks like a drain tunnel, which is uh, very much led to you know we're led to believe that it might be a prank and you know it's got the ominous music going on and yeah. it's like, oh, are they just going to fuck with him when he's down there and. That's honestly what I thought yeah. too. I said yeah. it can't. It's too good to be true, but that's not exactly the case. But it is actually too good to be true. Yeah. Uh, because at this point, this is where J- Jesse's gearing up for a Sunday service. Um, he's all ready to go. He's has all the the bullhorn is set up. All the chairs are set up. He's expecting a huge crowd. There's chairs outside, and uh, this is when he, him and Emily have a little uh, talk here and. Uh, Jesse thanks Tulip and Emily for putting everything together. And Emily, you can tell, kind of takes offense to that because she really did everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And she also says that Eugene would like to speak to him. Uh, So Eugene ends up talking to Jesse. And at this point, Jesse is not really himself. Um, Eugene asked Jesse to take back what he did uh, because it wasn't earned, uh, you know, and this is, you know, in terms of the way everybody's been treating uh, Assface at this at this point, you know, people are starting to be nice to him, and you know, it, things are slightly better for him. Jesse gets very upset and says that Eugene's a very hard person to please, and that uh, he thinks that maybe Eugene likes feeling put upon. Um, and probably the only person with any real grounded sense of humanity in this episode is Eugene. R's face telling Jesse, you know, this you can't just force people to be good. It has to be yeah. a choice. And at this point, Jesse snaps mm-hmm. and he says to Eugene, go to hell. Did not see that coming, actually. No, no, I did <laughs> not either. Um, and in case you had forgotten, Jesse's word is a literal word of God. Um Eugene disappears. Yeah, we get a little kind of growly sounds, you know, yeah. and whoosh, and then no more Eugene, yeah. So a this is not program. a twist that is in the comics. No. I am insanely <laughs> intrigued by what it means for what's going to happen with this show. You know, Jess is a pretty big douche nozzle at this point right now. <laughs> well, that's understandable. Yeah. Uh, he does have an <laughs> angel and a demon essentially inside of him at this point. And uh, there's obviously going to be some sort of uh, learning curve or uh, something that he'll have to deal with here uh, because the teaser for next week's episode clearly alludes to the fact that it this is a power that right now he can't control and there's a lot of stuff going on. So, uh, oh, that's not exactly the end of the episode. I apologize. There is one other thing that we do need to follow up on. So we come to find out that the big issue that Mayor Persons has been dealing with is, does he tell the truth to the Green Acres people about what happened in Odin Quincannon's office, i.e. Odin um, shooting the shit out of the three people that they sent there? 
or uh, what does he do? So we kind of find out what his decision is. Uh, we see three burnt bodies in a van, and Mayor Persons is on the phone with a representative from Green Acre Group, letting them know that there has been a terrible accident. And that is where we leave the episode, um, ready to kick into the remaining four episodes of this season. Uh, first off, I have to say, this should have been episode three. Probably. Episode six. Yeah, I'm thinking they should have gone ahead with the Genesis stuff a little, little earlier. Yeah, I understand wanting to tease it out and stretch your season, but if you don't know how many episodes you're getting, stuff like this needs to be kind of front and center. Yeah, I have one more. I mean, I think we needed to get a little more of uh, Jesse's backstory, too, to kind of justify some of his decisions. I think if they're going to go by the comics, and it sounds like they are. Well, in the comics, they do dangle that out, too, so I had no problem with that. But the, the main thrust of this show is that here's a mortal man that's been given this horrific an amazing power. That's the crux of your show. Yeah. That should have really been front and center as soon as, you know, not too long after he gets the power. Well, it was. They just didn't give us the exposition until, you know, they, but I can see how way confusing the first five episodes could have oh, been yeah. to anyone who hasn't read the comics. So, um, I'm just like still deliriously happy that they're going with the comics version of it, you know, of Genesis, like right from the page. So, yeah, oh, that's um, very cool. Yeah, I mean, but even in the comics, as soon as Jesse gets that power, he knows exactly what it is. Yeah, uh, I have a bad feeling about the next episode because um, there's something that happens in the comics when he gets the power of God. That uh, yeah, I was wondering if they're going to go there too. That, uh, that is, i.e., everybody in the church gets blown to shit. Yeah, which actually everyone in the town because everyone shows up to the church that day. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think you kind of have to go there because that's going to be another point of Jesse's going to look at that and go, why did God let this happen? And that's going to be, I think, another yeah. reason where he's going to, how he's going to find out that uh, God's not around anymore. And that's going to make him very angry. I think, yeah, maybe the, the, the demon side is going to make him get his blood going, you know, like Eugene did and say the wrong thing. And, uh, use that special inflection and um yeah send everyone to hell for all we know who knows <laughs> i really i was so shocked by the whole our space thing i'm just like whoa okay yeah, I, I, <laughs> you know what though that's the kind of wrinkle to put in though for yeah. people that have read the the story already and it's a way to you know yeah the broad strokes they're definitely hitting all of those but because i don't know if we can get to the the our space in the comics because that kind of piggybacked off what Jesse ended up doing to his father in the comics, which I don't know if they can they can go there in this um, <laughs> in this show. They can you do know a lot. What, but... If they don't do exactly what's in the comics, though, I'm sure they'll do something else that has a literal definition that is going to cause the same problem. Yeah, in some way. Um, well, it'd just be a creative waste if he doesn't tell somebody to go f themselves eventually. You know, somehow. Yeah. Well, I mean, they tease the f word in the first episode. Yeah. They have you know drag on his cigarette while he's saying it. There's ways around it. Yeah. Um, I don't think, with what we've seen so far, I don't think they're shy about hitting those broad points. No, no. Um, wow, just that that hotel scene, man. I just. I don't think we've seen the like on TV or something like that. Yeah, I, I, I would honestly say... Outside of Ash and the Evil Dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, it, 
if you're thinking about getting somebody to watch this show, I would actually show them this one first. Yeah, yeah, why and not? Say if this is interesting to you, watch the other five and continue on. Yeah, because uh, I think this one has more of a punch than as amazing as that intro to the first episode is with you know the 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 small Christian church in yeah. Africa blowing up. Uh, this has more of a of a visceral punch to it, I think, right from the start. Yeah, well, you get all the exposition you need right right in the beginning, and then the action starts. So, yeah, yeah, not a bad call. Yeah, um, yeah I don't uh, I don't know what else I have to say about it. I think um, in terms of capturing the audience from the jump, I think this one has done the best job so far. Um, but it is the culmination of a lot of plot threads that they have been dangling out since the beginning, especially in terms of stuff with Tulip and Cassidy and the Quinn Cannon meet in power. I'm honestly tired of Tulip already. I uh, just she's doing nothing in the show. She's got nothing to do yet, basically. So she's just kind of an annoying presence at this point. I don't know. Are you alone in that? I mean, great character and greatly acted, but I just, she just has literally jack shit to do right now. You know? Um... And I think that's unfortunately a function of the route that they've decided to go yeah. with the narrative here. It's yeah. not Tulip stumbles back into Jesse's life after years of not seeing her. She's mm-hmm. kind of always around. It's still, I think, done better in the comics because in the comics she literally accidentally happens upon him, which strains logic a bit. You know, just, he literally blows up the church and, and she finds him in the rubble and she's like, holy shit, Jesse. Yeah. So I mean, in that respect, I think it's better that she's she's trying to worm her way in, and that's the plot of her trying to get closer to him through Emily and everything. So I mean, I guess she's not doing nothing, but I, she just seems like, for one I thing, I don't, I don't think Emily would have. She was pretty. She basically badgered Emily into you know nearly threatened Emily into helping her. <laughs> um, I. I don't know if I saw it as badgering. I mean, she was pissed when she went in there, but the two of them do actually sit and talk, and it's yeah. not. She's she's willing to either watch the kids or do the help out with the, you know whatever. And she's well, you can see Emily's kind of like I'm not giving you no, and I don't things to do. You're a crazy woman, and then you know she's just like, well, I can do this. I can take care of this. Don't worry, don't worry. You know, you know. So I teach kids to make bazookas every now and then. I'm actually a cool person. Um. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing with she was so over the top in her introduction that it's kind of waiting for something like that to happen again to. No, yeah, her character is kind of treading water, but uh, I don't think that'll be the case in the next episode or two because something major has to happen here. Something's got to give with Donnie, with Odin, Quinn Cannon, yeah, um, with something horrific happening that's going to cause Jesse to leave Anvil. So, yeah, they got to uh, stuff yeah. a lot into the next three. Uh, it said I, I think our our standing prediction is that the Saint might show up. The last episode, or at least yeah, strongly I hinted. I, I think maybe the saint showing up is maybe what's going to send Jesse and company on the road, possibly. You know, he comes uh, in and slaughters half destroying the town. The town yeah. <laughs> potentially, uh, seriously injuring Sheriff Root. Yeah. And, well, you know what? Eugene's gone, so I'm sure Sheriff Root is going to come a-knocking. Yeah, yeah. And the, so, so there's a... Uh, might get that one, and then... Yeah, but it, it does It does need to head into road trip mode relatively soon, because yeah. it, it is treading... The longer they stay in Texas, it's the more it's treading water. Yeah. Um, man, I just can't even talk about that fucking hotel scene enough, though. That was just... 
Yeah, it, it would be a great jumping point just for the batshit craziness of that, too, because it, it was just, I, I think my favorite scene of that is when he has to, you know, go, someone knocks on the door and he goes, looks in through the peephole, and, you know, is it the pizza guy or is it, you know, the, oh, the ventral angel, and he just has a sad look on his face. It's like, no, it's not the, it's not the towels. <laughs> you know, he thought it was the towel guy, maybe. It's like, no, not the towels. Bang. And uh, yeah, it's so ludicrous that you just can't take your eyes off it. Oh, it's it's beautiful. It's just everything I want in a, in a crazy TV show like that. Yeah, and I think they need to kind of start playing with the the craziness of it more because it's that's really what the show is. It's that big ideas with mortal people, and I mean Jesse still doesn't know that Cassie is a vampire either. Yeah, yeah, like, I, that's. I mean, I could also see that. I mean, that's going to have to come up. It's going to be, you know, Cassidy digging his mouth into somebody's neck and being like, what? You know? Well, everybody, I, like, get Tulip knows, and I'm sure that's going to lead into why does she know and I don't, but... Well, I think uh, Brian Hughes asked the question a couple weeks ago on here that, you know, is this a world where vampires are readily known and accepted? And I almost get the feeling that they are. Um, um, I almost get that feeling from the comic, too, because nobody seems overly surprised when they find out that he is a vampire. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, but they play with more of that in the comics where it's there's that, I can't remember, the, the infants of blood. Yeah, yeah, I just read that, that part. Are, they, they really want to be vampires, yeah. and they're all like Anne Rice-looking bastards. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, and he's like, this is, a, this is a horrible thing. Why would you want this? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's plenty that they can still mine from Jesse and Tulip's history, Jesse's history, which is the stuff I'm really waiting for, and with Cassidy's history. Um, you know, and we really haven't even gotten the full story with, with uh, Eugene either, too. No. So it's Or with uh, Saint of Killers. No. There's a lot of stuff that they can still play with. I don't feel like they needed to drag out what they've done in the first five episodes to this point. There's enough thematic and character stuff on the table to to keep the show going without having to pad it. Yeah. Um, the one nitpick I have about the show and the comic is the whole love triangle thing. Um, I don't think it's necessarily bad as a plot device. Um, you know, it's, it's fucking plot device as old as time, for God's sakes. I just have never bought, even in the comic, you know, how... You know, Cassidy, hundred and whatever year old vampire, like falls in love with. You know, that must be just a. It was more of a relationship of convenience because in in the comic, spoilers. This is after a time when they believe Jesse to be D E D dead. Yeah. So it's one of those things where tragedy brings you closer together. Oh, but early on in the comics, he's even like, "I'm in love with you." You know, even before anything happens. But well, have you seen her? Well, yeah. I mean, so I'm saying that pussy must be gold lined or something man because he, he fell quick uh, I'm just saying if I'm around for a hundred years I'm probably had a good bit of experience you know and uh, it's got to be a mighty fine woman to, to make you fall that quick <laughs> well it, 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 it's, it's <laughs> it takes the story in some interesting places that's why it happens I, I don't know Garth Ennis's story from Adam at all, but I mean, rereading the comics, I almost feel like he just did not know how to write human male, or human female relationships all that well. Um, he just kind of stumbled through it, or you know, just you know, focused on the sexual side of things, or 
sometimes that's all a relationship is for some people. Oh, well, yeah. I don't know. As I said, I just I feel like he's, he's kind of over his head over heels in love a little too soon. Um, and in the comics, they didn't, uh, you know, him and Tulip didn't close the deal early on like they did in the show. Yeah, it does. I mean, putting it in the forefront, though, it's one of those things that you can play with it a little bit longer, you know. You can tease out that drama. When is Jesse going to find out, and what's the consequence of that? Yeah, I'm up to, what, like, issue 30 again in the comics, and and still basically Tulip just telling him to shut up on a regular basis, and I'm not telling Jesse anything, and, (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, it's doing a mostly good job. I'm enjoying the show. I'm not going to stop watching it, but... It's the same thing with The Walking Dead, where it's just don't tread water. Yeah. You know, if you know you only have 10 episodes, pick the narrative thrust that you want for those 10 episodes and do it. Don't pad it out. Heaven forbid you don't get renewed or what, you know, something happens. It's That's why I stopped watching The Walking Dead. When yeah. when the governor came and knocking uh, at the end of whatever season that was, season three, and he wants to parlay with Rick. And then at the end of season three, the governor wasn't dead. I said, this show is going to drag its feet. And I stopped watching. And I don't, <laughs> I, I haven't kept up with it since then. Yeah, well, you would have really know, loved so. what they did last season then. Yeah. What's that? You would have really loved what they said. What they did last season has, maybe has made me quit the show. So. Um, it made you quit the show? Maybe. Yeah, I, I haven't uh, quite decided yet, but. Does it have to do with a certain uh, Asian character? Yeah. Uh, well, just a baseball bat in general and unsatisfied plot lines that they didn't should not have tried to carry over to a new season. But. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's one of those, yeah, we want to keep you watching the show, so we're not going to give any sort of... That, that's fine if it's your first season and you're struggling, but fucking Walking Dead doesn't need to tease their people to get them to come back, you know? It's like... Okay, so I... So, okay. I, I will not be picking the show up <laughs> again, uh, regardless of how much it might have gotten better. Some um, parts yeah. have gotten a lot fucking better, and, and going into the Negan story and stuff like that. How the hell did we get on this? But, um, well... You know, it's it's a it's a comic book. It's, it's, it's a DVD watch. You know, I, I, at this point, I, I I might wait out like the whole season next year and just binge watch it, and you know, so they don't pull the rug out from under me like that. And I'm like, I just fucking tuned in every goddamn week for this. Yeah, it's if you have like a legitimate cliffhanger, like we got to go rescue this person, yeah. and your episode ends with we have to go rescue this person, and then the next season starts with the rescue. That's yeah. one thing. Or, you know, I am Locutus of Borg. Right. Wait till next season. Yeah. No, this literally killed somebody. First person. You don't know who's dying, and they are going to tell us in nine oh, months. Oh, first they... All right, so you have no idea who they no, killed? No, so. That's some bullshit. Yeah, no, I I was not happy. A lot of people weren't happy. and, and like the, What the, a way to parse your narrative, man. Like, that's just like... We we don't even so they probably don't even know the writers probably didn't even know it's like what's going to cause the most uproar. Well, it's rumored that they've shot like every there was like nine characters in question who could be dead, you know, and one of them could be the guy that goes that way in the comics, um, and as presumably or at least that's what the damage control people are saying is that they've shot a death scene for every character, and oh, yeah, boy. so maybe yeah, I agree. <laughs> 
I agree. So come on, AMC showrunners. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes they hit it out of the park. Sometimes it looks like they don't know what the fuck they're doing. But. Yeah, I realized that at the end of season three. Like yeah. I said, like all right, the governor's not dead. There's nowhere else to go with his story. Why is he not dead? Yeah, yeah. Didn't they start out four with like a fucking flashback to his backstory or some shit? I, I don't remember exactly, but I didn't watch because oh, yeah. I knew as soon as he was still alive. <laughs> Whatever it was, I think it was bad. It was bad. Yeah, we got like his a flashback to his backstory or something that was really freaking boring for like three episodes. So, uh, <laughs> but I'm still down with Preacher. <laughs> yeah, I am too. I'm going to see where it goes. Uh, um, I'm not going to quit on it. Cause I like the changes. Wonderful. I mean, I like that uh, Jesse's getting a little more interesting, and it's it's obvious that Genesis is working on his personality, or we'll yeah. find out that he's just that much of an asshole anyway. Um, as I said, it, they could sell him being that much of an asshole. Uh, they just need to get a little more of his backstory out and, and find out why he may have been made a monster and not born one. Well, that's kind of the whole thing. Yeah. You know, that you don't want to tease, because too, too, I mean, when that all comes to light, that's going to probably be the best season of the show. <laughs> Whenever they deal with uh, Jesse's backstory uh, in one big lump. Yeah. I don't know what else to say about this one. Uh, it sucked me in right away. And I haven't watched the uh, the preview. i got to go do that. Um, maybe I shouldn't. I don't know. No, no Eugene. It doesn't really show anything. Yeah. No. So I, I really don't know how they're going to address that whole fucking go to hell thing. That, that was really... I don't even think they did that in the comics, really. At least not as far as I got back reading them. No, but it could be a way for them to kind of introduce the Santa Killers, though, as well. Cause, yeah. You know, to, or at least, uh, you know, at least take Eugene out of the running for a little bit. So if, like, the town does get destroyed, he's not involved in it, and somehow Jesse gets him back later. Or... Well, that's the thing. He can't really, if, he's gonna, if they're going to do with him what they do in the comics. And honestly, this would be part of... I could see this as being the justification for what what happens in the comics when he comes back after a certain time of being gone in the comics, um, the path that he's on. So I could see this being the the reason why he's on the path. That he's yeah, well, on. yeah, that that you know, if they don't get around to doing to his dad, what because uh, yeah, for right now they haven't really sold that Eugene would be that upset without his dad in the picture. Um, so. Yeah, going to hell would would probably be vengeance worthy stuff. I would think. Thanks, yeah. Jesse, you asshole. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cassidy's been kind of trying to tell him, you know, not to. Well, and the angels have been like, "Don't use this." You know, it's kind of like you know, dark side of the force, man. It's 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 half and half, but yeah, but I mean, Jesse's mind, all he can see is that well, it had to have picked me for a reason. Yeah, so it's like, if God wants it, he can come back and take it. And like, yeah, yeah, that's not going to go too well, Jesse. <laughs> no. But, all right, well, we've got four left uh, this season, and um, we're getting the uh, regular Wicked Heroic stuff out soon. We do have an email address, um, which y'all haven't used yet, but that's okay, we forgive. Um, it's WikiHeroics at Yahoo.com, real easy to remember. And just uh, tell us how you're liking things, and tell us, uh, yeah, that's it. Just tell us what's up out there in podcasting land. Or tell yeah, tell us we suck. Tell us we're awesome. Yeah. Send us dirty jokes, uh, naked pictures. <laughs> sure, whatever. If, if we have any female listeners, <laughs> male, female, it doesn't matter. We're not choosing. The, the female uh, viewers of their show had to be happy. That was a nice extended scene, you know, of, of, of Cass and and, and um, Jesse in their underwear in this uh, in this um, episode. And hadn't noticed. Oh, shut up. <laughs> you watch it with your woman. I'll bet she noticed. <laughs> no, no, this is a. Uh... 
It might be a little too much for her. I've teased her with the, the premise of it, and she's like, eh. Yeah. So, I'm like, okay, we have other stuff to watch. Yeah, I try to see things from all sides here. There's two, you know, good-looking men in their underwear. You know, someone's going to notice that. Yes. But, um, so, uh, I was just, you know, they, both of those actors are, you know, it was in just, shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just jealous. As a fat man, I'm just fucking jealous. That's what. Yeah, oh, whatever. I beat anorexia <laughs> twice. Yeah, yeah, I beat it and sent it to hell. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> All right, folks. I guess that's for another week. I'm gonna go hit the editor and get this puppy out to you, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Take it easy, guys. Bye now. It's time for some thrilling heroics. A brand new podcast on TwoTrueFreaks.com. Keep flying. A Firefly podcast. We aim to do the impossible. Cover every episode of Joss Whedon's science fiction space opera western. And that makes us mighty. We found as fine a crew as ever populated the podcasting verse. I told them I had a job. They said yes. Didn't much care what it was. So join me, Andrew Leyland. I fought for the independence. May have been the losing side. Not so sure it was the wrong one. I'm joined by a man too pretty to die, Mr. Paul Spataro. And last, but by no means least, a man with a mighty fine hat, Shepherd Bill Robinson. So join us on TwoTrueFreaks.com for Keep Flying, a Firefly podcast. We aim to misbehave. <laughs>